welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. Listen, I have this prophetic word tonight, and so all night long, over and over and over and over and over, he kept saying the same words, awareness, 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 awareness. I don't even know. I think I heard it 4,000 times. And so I want to talk about it tonight. And um, I feel like it's a great, a great season. I want to call us to October being the month of awareness. Listen to me. To the degree that you are aware, let me explain awareness to you. So today I'm at the doctor and she's poking needles in my legs and it's, I'm really aware of the pain. But in that moment, I became more aware of his presence. That's what awareness is. Listen, this is a season that as we are aware of the presence of God, and you know, I've been preaching to the laid down lovers. That's, that is what God is calling us to. I know we're all at different degrees of that, but listen to me. When we step into this place of being a laid down lover, our lives don't, don't matter anymore. And, and, and the greatest joy awaits you on the other side. Yes. It's not a cost. It's not a cost because the, laid, the dying part's the cost. Laying down's the easy part. You know, Cece got that dream today about, the, about everybody with the red feather when she was having a 15-minute nap. Listen, he can speak to us in any way. So I wanted to start out with a couple of things. When I was studying today about this encounter I had with him, I'm telling you, he's calling us into a month of encounters. Do you believe me? Listen, he wants to encounter you. He wants to keep encountering you. I, I propose to you, he's challenging us to have an encounter with him every single day. Will you take my challenge? And so when you leave here tonight, you got a couple of days to think about it. Do all your stuff that gets in the way of encountering in two days. But I want to really set October aside and a focus on awareness and encounters with him. And remember the encounter. Let's talk about a couple encounters. One that I wanted to talk about tonight is Jacob. And I... I just stumbled on this kind of in a crazy way, but Brian Simmons says this, and I I don't have time to go. Y'all have to study it. It's in um, Genesis 28 and 32. But he said this, that Jacob first had an encounter to change his name. And then a second encounter was to change the name of a region. So listen to me. God is coming right now to not only, some of you already got your new name. It's just a metaphor, okay? Don't get all messed up. It's just a metaphor. But listen, this region needs a new name. And so what's, what Jacob's experience, let's just, I have to read it. Can I read it? Y'all don't even care because I'm in charge, right? I got the mic. Okay, Genesis 28. Let's read there, shall we? Listen to this. Before Jacob left, everybody knows the story of Jacob, right? Isaac called for him, blessed him again. Now remember, it was Jacob and Esau. They were twins. Okay? Esau came out first. What was Jacob doing? Grabbing his heel, right? That was his name. Yep. He said, and this is what Isaac said, I forbid you to marry any Canaanite woman. And so he told him to leave, go to Laban. Remember that where he, when he went to Laban? He worked for him, remember? Okay, all that. We don't have time to preach on that. And it, in verse 6, it says, Esau learned that Isaac had blessed Jacob again. And he told him, don't marry a Canaanite woman. So Esau went and married a non-Canaanite woman. Why did he do that? Why did Esau do that? Because Esau was still trying to get the favor. Right? And so 
Verse 10, y'all can study that out. It's really a fun story. The daughter's name that he married is cool. You can find all kinds of stuff. Verse 10, here's where I want to get to. Jacob left Beersheba and journeyed to Iran. And he encountered, he entered and encountered a certain place at sunset and camped there for the night. And he took a stone there, made it his pillow and pillow and lay down to sleep. He had a dream of a stairway securely fixed on earth and reaching into heaven. In his dream, messengers of God were ascending first. So where were they? And descending. Where were they when they were descending? On a stairway, and Yahweh stood beside him and said to him, I am Yahweh, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. You're lying on the very ground that I will give to you and your descendants. They will become as numerous as the specks of the dust on the earth, and they will extend their territory in all directions. Through you and your descendants, I will bless the whole world. Never forget I am always with you and will protect you wherever you go. And one day I will bring you back to this land for I will never leave you or fail you or fulfill or, or fail to fulfill every word I promise you. And he woke up. That was all a dream. Now that's a cool dream. Now the voice went on to tell us how everybody doesn't have these kinds of dreams anymore. Isn't that funny? Did, did anybody? Okay, we could break that off later. I was going to go in a whole, whole breaking off thing, but we're not talking about that. When Jacob awoke from his dream, he said, Yahweh is here and he's in this place and I didn't even realize it. Now, I want to focus just for a minute. Let's put the cursor on he was clueless. Just for a second. How many of us in the moment of getting your assignment, you're here for an assignment. You're not here to just make pretty people. You're here to be a world changer. You have an assignment. And so in that moment, he's like, I am completely clueless that God even moves this way. How many have had that happen to you? Where God moved in a way that you had never had him move before. I remember when Shudi first came, she just laughed for an hour and rolled around on the couch. Remember that? Why? She needed joy. She was a little tense. Right? Colleen, she can be a little tense. So when the Holy Spirit falls on her, what is he doing? He's giving her the antidote to tense. And so in this moment... He's encountering God in a brand new white way. Why? Because God's trying to give him a key. Yeah. What was the key in the dream? You can go up to heaven anytime. Yes. Wow. Why do you need to go to heaven? Because not my will. Yeah. I've got to go see what Yahweh's will is. Yes. And see, in the moment you begin to step into this new assignment, you're like, I had no clue who was going to be this way. Yes. Come on. How many can be honest? That's exactly how it feels. You're just like, I had no idea that this whole world existed. I love how Bill said it today. He made this statement. Let me see if I can find it real quick. He said that God wants to heighten our awareness of a reality that existed before I was aware. Did you hear it? Listen, this is already in existence. As we begin, Jesus was just the doorway to the stuff. As I enter into the doorway, I experience all this amazing stuff. And now I'm no longer my own. And the more that I become aware that he is right here. I am on a journey of awareness. I am on a journey of can I be more aware of him in any given situation? Or does it take me an hour to become aware of him? Ten hours to become aware of him? Do I just become aware of him when I'm in need? I mean, I propose that every Christian becomes really aware of God when they're in need. You go to the doctor and you get a diagnosis. God is right there. Shoop. Ever, isn't he? Isn't he? He's really aware. 
I mean, he's really there. We're really aware he's there. He was always there. It's just my personal awareness. I'm wanting us tonight. I just feel the passion in his heart that he wants to give us a Jacob experience to where you can say, I don't know where you've been. I've had lots of encounters with God. I encounter him practically mostly every day, maybe more than once a day. When I was having this encounter with him today, I, I became so cold. First time ever. My, 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 teeth, my teeth were chattering. And I, I had to go get on more clothes. I had to put some blankets on me. It was a very weird experience. I'm usually like, I am right now, I'm usually burning up. Like I feel like I'm 4,000 degrees right now. That's usually how I feel. But it, I was freezing. And then Cece walks in and she goes, well, I heard he was going to be fire and ice. I'm like, I've never heard of the ice before. But I'm having the ice. I didn't call down ice. I wasn't looking for ice. It was already there. My awareness of it became a reality because I experienced it. And what happened? In that moment, I said, this is unusual. I had to do, I had to do what Moses did. I had to go turn aside and see. I had to stop what I was doing. And I said, what are you doing? Not, I'm cold, let me get a blanket, let's get this. We, we just want to get it out of the way. Let me get it out of the way so I can hear God. I, this isn't how God speaks to me. He never makes me cold. I just want to move Him out of the way, right? Jacob's encounter caused him to say, this was an old place. Remember what he said? This is a place where all your ancestors have been. Come on. This is a place. Listen, I'm standing right now in a place that some of my ancestors have been. I was raised in a prophetic house. We were, I'm standing on common ground. But I am telling you, I'm having experiences that no, none of my ancestors have ever had. Why? Because I've made a priority his presence. Let me just tell you, his presence is the most important thing to me. I'm a laid down lover of his presence. I, his, his, he flows to the lowest place. You're not going to be giving up anything to get low. You're not going to be giving up anything to get humble. You're not going to be giving up anything to say you're in need. You're not going to be giving up anything to say, help me. You're just going to be experiencing more of him. I told the, I told the team tonight, it was like this. I, look, I see it like this, and I'm in this bucket, and it's just big enough for my feet. And Jesus is the bucket. And the Holy Spirit is just standing right here beside me, and I cannot walk. If Jesus moves, I move. If Jesus doesn't move, I don't move. And then if I get with a bunch of people, a covenant people, and I want to be on a team, I'm building teams around here, and we get all of our little buckets together in the unified corporate bucket, no one can move. It's not about my personal movement. It's about my personal yielding to what the anointing wants. And what does our anointing want? It wants to flow with the Holy Spirit. That's why we have it. If I can connect my anointing with her anointing, worship's different for you. Now listen, <laughs> listen, you are anointed. Look at your neighbor. Say, I don't know if you know this. Let me give you a secret tonight. You're anointed by God. He has placed on you the spirit of the living God. And the spirit of the living God is living. And it's active. Right? The Holy Spirit is a parakeet. <laughs> he's a come alongside let me read to you a couple of things my very probably i'm going to say favorite right now come on for those of you who don't know i say that a lot let's go to isaiah 11 now thomas aquinas do you know him he's an old guy he's dead now he was born before you got here. 
and die before you got here. He said this, that there are seven gifts of the Holy Spirit and they're found in Isaiah 11. Agreed? And he divides them like this, that four of the gifts are to direct our intellect. Why do we need the Holy Spirit's direction of this intellect? So this tells me something. That if the Holy Spirit's not directing my intellect, who is? Another spirit. Because those entities that I possess are meant to cooperate with a spirit. And so the first three are, and, and I love it. You have to study it out. You promise you're going to study it out? It's just a few verses, two verses in Isaiah 11. The spirit of Yahweh will rest upon him. The spirit of Yahweh is the spirit of prophecy. Listen, prophecy has not died out. Our awareness of how God wants to use prophecy died out. I ne- it never died out for me. There was never a time where I wasn't hearing stuff, seeing stuff. Never. It never turned off. I wanted it to turn off. Have you ever been there? Like, you're like, I don't know what to do with this thing. I mean, it's just so troublesome. That's the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit trying to operate through you. And you're going, oh, this is getting in the way of so much stuff. It is. It says, it's the manifest presence of God resting upon the Lord Jesus. In the Hebrew culture, to say the spirit of Yahweh rests upon someone means the spirit of prophecy was upon them. That's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Where's the Holy Spirit? In you, around you, beside you, above you. Well, he's the thing Jesus gave you as an engagement ring. What was the engagement? I promise you, I'm going to leave you this cool guy. I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit, and he's so cool. He tells you everything you don't even know. Why would I want to rely on my own intellect? I know nothing. I know zero. I remember when Cece came and told me she was, I had this cool dream. She dreams almost every night, and we talk about her dreams every day, pretty much. But, you know, we've been moving, so, you know, we're just, I don't even know what we're doing right now. We're just in chaos right now. But she came to me the day we were moving. Everybody was showing up. And she said, I had this dream about Nathan and, and this Revelation 5. And she started telling me all this stuff about it. And then I think it was like, I don't know, four or five days later, maybe. And, she, he, and he called me and he said, hey, my buddy, Nathan. And I was like, Nathan, Nathan, Nathan. I feel like I've heard that before recently. I didn't even have time to put that together that day. I just said that somewhere on some proverbial shelf somewhere because I was busy. And I woke up in the middle of the night three nights ago, and I was prophesying to him, and I had never even met him. And I said what I said to him tonight. Why? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't want to let that rest. He's like, that was me. This is why you can't mess it up with him. Now, see, the spirit of prophecy rests with the Holy Spirit. They don't disconnect. So if you're filled with the Spirit, you have the Spirit of prophecy. It needs something to practice on. It needs to say something. The Spirit of prophecy is what? A creator of something that doesn't exist yet. He hovered over the chaos of the deep and he said, let it be. That's all he wants to say through you. You walk up to somebody and they're sick, let it be not sick. You walk up to somebody, have no idea, let it be, you don't know, you lost your identity. Let me tell you, bud, who you're, what your identity is. He's just, he's just trying to get somebody to let it be all over the world right now. Did you even hear the prime minister from Italy? She was letting it be. Did y'all hear her? Oh, she had that in her. Did you? Oh, I just wanted to play it for you tonight so bad, but I don't have time for that either. The second thing that has to do with our intellect, the spirit of extraordinary wisdom. 
Don't you love how difficult wisdom is to get? If you don't have it, ask. Let me try this after the fact. I love, can I make fun of men? I love, because bros, my, I love it how they like to think they know everything, especially directions. You know, did you hear Bill say, he said their Siri would say, it's just around here somewhere, just keep driving. And so when we don't have wisdom, we want to act like we do. But isn't it the strangest thing when you don't have it? It's so obvious you don't have it. And so let's ask. It's so hard. Holy Spirit. Oh, I need wisdom. Oh, I say it every day. Every day. Oh, Holy Spirit. I can't do any of this without you. Give me wisdom today. Stuff I don't know that I need to know today. It says, another way to say this is the spirit of skillfulness. Skillfulness. Now, listen, my love language is acts of service. I've been, I've really been feeling a lot of love lately because all we've been doing is working on everything. <laughs> I got a new toilet and that made me real, real happy. Got a new, new shower head. I'm just a simple girl, just need a couple water products to make me happy. <laughs> now listen, wisdom and skillfulness, do you see how they're the same thing? Because you are made to solve problems on the earth. Not to make more problems. You are smart. You are wise. You are meant to solve great problems. I heard the other day that 99% of the inventions of the earth haven't even been invented yet. Well, go get you some of those. What do you do? You ask. I mean, we're on this trudge, right? Going to the same job, doing the same thing. Invent something. Ask the Holy Spirit, what problem needs to be solved? You're meant to solve problems. That's skill. Have you ever developed a skill of any kind? Anybody? How's it feel? Feels pretty good, doesn't it? To know how to do something. Right? It says this gives equipping ability for music. Oh, I know. Y'all thought I was just changing toilets. Art. Business, writing, creativity, and judicial decisions. And that's a lot of wisdom right there. The third one that has to do with our intellect is the spirit of perfect understanding. Now, I've been walking with the Holy Spirit a long time. I'm old. And, and the more that I can get to a place in my own mind that I know nothing, the more he tells me. The more that my security is based on that I know. Listen, I thought I knew all kinds of stuff. And then I met people. And then I realized I don't know nothing. I don't know why you think like you think, why you do what you do. I've been counseling for 35 years. Without the Holy Spirit, I would have no idea what you were saying. Because you don't even know how you feel. Right? Come on. How many of y'all come sitting across from me and you're like, I don't really know how I'm feeling today. And then we find out how you're feeling. How many have had that happen? That's the Holy Spirit. You didn't even know. And you brought it. Right? That's the spirit of understanding. We need it. It doesn't give us a right to understand everything. Brian Simmons says it's the spirit of intelligent insight. This imparts the ability to discern the truth and know the meaning of riddles and decipher parables and allegories in dreams. Now listen, I learned how to interpret dreams from John Paul Jackson. Anybody know him? He's dead now too. Lots of dead people. But listen, 
It wasn't. He just gave me tools. Because, you know, his dream course was called The Art of Hearing God. It wasn't even called Dream Interpretation. Why do you think he did that? Because without hearing God, I can't interpret dreams. I don't understand parables. Remember what Jesus said about a parable? It's hidden. From who? That those don't have a heart to know. And the, the, the actual secrets, mysteries of the kingdom have been given to those who love him. We, it's, it even says that, the Bible says that we can't even, they could write volumes and volumes and volumes and it would never exhaust all the things that Jesus did on the earth and he called you to do greater things. That's a lot of things. So we're going to need this Holy Spirit to transform form and renew my mind to think at, of a different way to be aware of what he wants to do in a given situation. Listen, it's happening to us all the time. Everywhere you go, every experience of the day has a chance for you to be, a more, to be more aware of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in that situation. If I, I think Bill said it, I wrote this down too, let me find it. He said this today, I, I highlighted it in yellow in my notes. He said, if I have my heart and mind anchored to inferior things, then I will deaden within my own heart what he created as a capacity for me to recognize him. So let me tell you how this is. What's a lesser thing? Let's, let's, let's go with this. Matthew 6.33, seek you first the kingdom of God, right? And all the things will be added. So if my focus is on lesser things, which is rent, house payment, clothes, food, right? That's lesser things. Did you know there was lesser things? Then I deaden my heart to see the supernatural. Things that he put in my heart to recognize when he's moving. When I release those things. Remember? He'll watch over the watch of those that watch him. Are you beholding him? You become what you behold. As I'm watching him and I'm seeking him and I'm more aware of him and I let go of, I'm worried about the house payment. I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about my job. I'm worried about, mm, I'm worried about, mm. right? When I keep letting go of that, I'm not going to turn around. Sometimes I'm like, I'm not going to turn around. <laughs> we had a dog, Pam had a dog one time and you'd say her name and she'd go, mm. We call it pulling a Sadie. That was her name. So pull a Sadie and say, no, I'm not going to, right? Pillar of salt. That's what's waiting for you back there. Nothing you can do about it. And I behold him. Then he begins to unlock and open up all kinds of portals. That's what Jacob experienced. It was a portal of an open heaven where something was on earth and it ascended to heaven. And something was in heaven and it came down to earth and that kept repeating in his life. And that's what happens when you get a name change, then you'll get the ability to change a region. So remember in Jacob's story, he named that place Bethel. It was called Luz or something. What is Luz? Where are you from, Luz? I want to be from Bethel. You still with me? Yes. Number four, intellect. Still with me? Yes. The spirit of wise strategy. Listen, Lucifer lost his position as a worship leader of heaven. Why? You are so smart. Man, y'all have really been listening. He wanted what humans were given to God. And he wanted it for himself. He wanted the worship of man. He said, I can have that. So he's strategic. He used to be in heaven. He knows, this, he knows how humans operate. And God, knowing that you want to be a conqueror, you were put here to conquer stuff. He knows you want to. Don't you? Don't you? Don't you? 
Come on. Don't you? I do. I want to conquer something because he put it within me. Not to be a wimp. I want to be a powerful woman of God. Oh, that transforms a region, that transforms a nation, that transforms wimpy people into leaders. And see, so then we have divine strategy. I don't know if you understand this, but that trumps the wimpy Lucifer. Lou is no good at strategy anymore because he hadn't been to a team meeting in heaven a long, long time. He's not been up there. He doesn't know the most recent strategy of God, and he's way behind the times, and he's that guy that keeps thinking that he can use a Palm Pilot. And we've moved on to Apple products. Why strategy? Another way Brian Simmons says it, the spirit of guidance. I don't know about you. The, I, every time I read one of these, I'm thinking, yeah, I can see where I need that. Right? This is the Holy Spirit. Do you see why we, do you, can you understand why we want to be more aware of him? Because he's got all the stuff. In the last three, Thomas said, direct our will. Come on. Who ha- okay. I know. I know. You know what I'm going to say right now. Who has a strong will? Who has a hard time getting your will to engage in what you want? I talked about on Sunday that you're Adam nature. Remember what CC said? It's wanting to die. <laughs> You're a whole Adam nature. Quit bringing me back to life. It wants to die. Because why? It wants to be resurrected. Listen, when you're operating in the habits of your old Adam nature, it doesn't even mean that's you. I know that's going to mess you up. But listen, we can operate in habits of our old Adam nature that aren't even in keeping with what we want to do in our new spirit-led man. It's just, it's just carnal. In other words, the things of, this na- of my habit, of what I used to do, that's why Paul said, I don't know what's going on with me. I'm just over here wrestling around with this old Adam nature. It's because I am not as aware of what my spirit and my regenerated man needs. I'm more aware of my old habits. And so I have to keep turning and keep turning and see I'll get faster at it. Well, for a while, this was like months and years, and then it's days and weeks, and it becomes minutes, and then it becomes, shocking, I know, seconds. And then it becomes like, that is just poo-poo. Paul said it was dung. I just count all that as a bunch of rubbish. Why? Because I'm acquiring the kingdom. Oh, I don't know about you, but that's just glorious to me. So these three, the will, mighty power, the spirit of mighty power. Enough said. He didn't explain that one any further. Why? Because your soul needs something more powerful than it. How many? You don't have to raise your hand. But how many know that you have a really strong will, strong soul, strong bent toward being stubborn? I did. I did. I remember when I was stubborn. And, and someone would come to me and say, hey, I don't think you did that right. And I'd be like, okay. And I'd just walk away. Why? Because I didn't want to stay in the middle of what I didn't know. And then I learned that's how I learn. If someone can see, see, this is why we hide. This is the Adam and Eve syndrome. Think about it for a minute. I'm doing something squirrely, right? And I act like if I don't tell anybody, it will never be found out. You know, my dad used to hide their Christmas sack. Remember when we were kids? No, you don't. We All we got for Christmas, come on. All we, here, the old message out, is an orange and an apple and some hard candy. That's what we got at church, right? Only the old people know what I'm talking about right now. And my dad would hide it under the bed so my mom couldn't eat it. Mom didn't want it. And you know what would happen? 
my dad would forget and it would spoil. That's the perfect, don't ooh me, that's the perfect example of us hiding things in our soul. And then we just kind of rot in there. We never grow and we don't know why. Stop hiding. It does no good. Find a bunch of safe people and, and experience that other word. What is it? Authenticity. Y'all didn't know. The second that has to do with my will is the spirit of revelation or the spirit of knowledge. Why is that different? Listen, I cannot be healed of what I won't admit. This is about my will. I need someone to expose to me what's going on inside. And here's how it happens. I do an action and somebody wiser than me says, Bud, is that the kind of man you want to be? And then you say, yeah, I kind of do. Or, no, I didn't even know I was doing it. Jacob didn't even know. I didn't even know it. The presence of God had happened to him, and he didn't even know it. I can't even smell my own bad breath. What's the chances of me seeing all my actions and being able to interpret them with wisdom? Zero. That's why my anointing has to operate on a team. You can come up with some other plan, but I'm telling you the favor and anointing of God is housed within the covenant family that God puts you in. That's why we have to find it. Last one is the spirit of the fear of Yahweh. You know what Brian Simmons translates that at? His sense of smell. Come on, that's blowing your mind a little bit, right? He says that the actual fear of the Lord is realizing what he takes pleasure in. Come on, I know it's a little deep. You'll be okay. Don't panic. (laughs) Some of y'all are about to panic, I can tell. Just go with me. Let him reveal it to you. This has been revealed to me. Because remember, my will needs a revelation. So he gave that to me first. What? It's not being afraid of God. Right? It's about a reverential understanding of what pleases him. That's a sweet smelling fragrance to him. And see, when I step into that place where I understand that I, he, he, is, he is actually well pleased with me in my immaturity. Yes. I know all you other people that's messing you up. He is well pleased with me in my, he calls me his beloved. He, the, he calls me the apple of his eye. I'm the center of his infe- affection before I become all mature. Because I'm in the bucket. Who is the bucket? Jesus, Jesus is the bucket. Without Jesus, I don't have access to any of this. So when I encounter someone, that has to be my first understanding. Do they even know him? I can't tell them some big, cool truth. I'm like, hey, man, I know this about God. I know this about God. If they don't know him, it says that they can't understand it. And they may act like they can understand it. This is great evangelism 101. Know your audience. He says, this is the last in verse 3, he says, he will find his delight in living by the spirit of fear of the Lord. You will find delight in living when you live in this awareness of his presence. That's the true fear of the Lord. You will find delight in living. Listen, I, I want to just reference this before I finish. Johnny Inlow sent out this word, and um, I didn't read it until today, but when I woke up today, God reminded me of this scripture, and it's in Habakkuk 12. Isn't that what's on the back of my shirt? It just now dawned on me. 
It's on the back of my shirt. Just read it. Well, that's no. When I had a nap today, he told me to wear this shirt. So now I know why. Small things that make me happy. It's okay. You don't have to enjoy it. It says in the message, I believe, it says the earth fills up with awareness of God's glory as the waters cover the sea. Now, if you, you, you need to go study Habakkuk too, because at the beginning of it, he talks about writing the vision. Listen, you need a vision for your life. Don't just spend day after day aimlessly paying your bills. Get a vision for your family, for your children, for your job, for your nation, for your city. And then after he told him to write the vision plain, it goes through this whole list of really cruddy things. All these people are going to be really weird and cruddy. And then he said, when that's happening, the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge the awareness of the goodness of God. That's now. I don't know if you know it. In Johnny Enlow's word, he was saying that that this one world government has already happened. We don't have to be afraid of it anymore. You know, Cece also had a dream that we were shooting guns filled with onions at the Antichrist spirit. That made me so happy because guess who the onion is? You! Okay, sorry, y'all. This is all going over your head. But anyway, the, the Antichrist spirit, it's already in operation. The one world government. Now God's coming in to tear it down. Listen, the seven mountains, Johnny, you know, talks about a lot. The seven mountains, the enemy's already at top of them. Can I make a mind-blowing statement to you? Anytime you engage in a seven mountain mountain activity, you're engaging with a demonic spirit. I know that's hard for you to hear, but I mean, that's why music is so important. What music you listen to. Listen, I'm, I, I'm watching some stuff on Instagram that some people in here are posting with music that's of the world. And I'm just like, stop. Like you're engaging with at one thing. If we don't do anything at one life, we got to have purity of the sound. We have to. We have to. Because it takes nothing to engage with the music of the enemy. Zero. It takes everything that's in you to be a prophetic house that actually proclaims a sound that goes out. And just the resonance of the sound heals something. And so you can't have mixtures. And that's what I'm saying. October is a month of saying, I'm done with mixtures. You're not cool. I'm sorry. Don't Let me offend you a little, can I? Because I'm pretty offensive. You're not cool by engaging in activities that look like the world. The world can do that without thinking. God is looking for people who have actually ingested the spirit of the living God, and now he is the one choosing all the attributes of creativity. Do you understand that this is our mission, this is our assignment to transform society to look like heaven? Listen, if you don't believe that, that's the first thing you have to change, right? I love it. It says in Hebrews 6, it says, And now we have run into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness. This is where we find strength and comfort, for he empowers us to seize what has already been established ahead of time, which is an unshakable hope. And we have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. Listen, this is, this is part two of Sunday where your soul needs an anchor. What is your soul? Your mind, will, and emotions. Do you understand how important it is that your mind, will, and emotions is anchored to God? Not to some flighty thing, but to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat which sits in, he- in the heavenly realm beyond the sacred threshold where Jesus, our forerunner, 
has gone before us. Listen to this commentary. Jesus is the trailblazer. Jesus did this ahead of you. Let's just thank him. Really. I mean, Jesus did the trailblazing for us. He blazed a trail for us to enter into the sacred chamber and seize the hope. Seizing sounds a little bit more than like, I hope I get it. I hope I get it. Listen, reach out with your soul and grab the anchor of hope that you need. Where do you need hope today? It's there available for you right now. He says, seize the hope that has already been fulfilled in his eyes. We have a company of king priests who dwell with him in the holies, holiest of holies and minister from there out to the nations. That's why we need the ascending ladder. Do you hear me tonight? You need an encounter not only... Okay. You need an encounter not only to have a new name, but you need an encounter to transform the territory where your job is, where your family is, where you eat, your city, on and on and on. And if we believe that, then th these encounters will not only change us, they'll change other people. And remember that every single encounter that you have is not just for you, right? So be thinking about October and be thinking about, it's, I'm not literally calling it a fast, although for some people it might be. I'm calling it a, a time to actually become more aware of his presence, more aware of what we need. And I'm praying for each one of you that you will have encounters every single day like I do. Come on, Mendel. So good, so good. Thank you, Tisa. Well, I wanted to recap just a short bit to emphasize one thing about the story I shared on Sunday that was, you know, a fictional story, but it was based on biblical times when Ezra was leaving Babylon to travel back and help rebuild the temple and restore authentic worship in um, Jerusalem. And so if you remember, I told you in this, the story was about a boy who his father was a Jewish boy who grew up in Babylon. His father was killed. His father was a blacksmith, and he'd been training to be a blacksmith. And so his inheritance was back in that day, you know, you just inherited your father's business. So all the shop, the blacksmith business was his inheritance. Well, after his father died, um, the uncle decided it would be best for the family to sell the blacksmith business. And so the boy became angry because his inheritance was given away. His inheritance was stolen from him. And he became so angry that he turned away from God and, and turned away from the entire Jewish community there in Babylon and became friends with the Babylonian thieves. Uh, 12, 15 years later, basically, he has this opportunity. Um, he's approached because by his lineage, he's a Levite. And so he's invited to join Ezra and the caravan headed back to Jerusalem. And they tell him, hey, you're a Levite by birth, and because you're a Levite, we need some Levites to guard the temple treasury in our caravan, And so because they're trying to do everything according to how um, God had laid it out. And so he sees an opportunity. Him and his thieving friends see an opportunity, so they decide they're going to rob the treasury in the caravan one night, right? And he's going to be their inside guy. So, you know, in the story, um, at the, the final hour, he has a change of heart and he turns away from the thieves and he turns his heart towards God and he helps to protect the treasury, goes on to Jerusalem and become, become, receives training on how to operate as a Levite in his purpose in the actual temple. And so he one of, one of the um, purposes in, of a Levite was to guard the treasury. And so he finds out that, that he's actually going to receive a wage for doing this job in the temple that out of the temple treasure that he helped protect in that caravan was now actually set up for him to receive a wage that would support him and his family for the rest of his life. And so my emphasis in that story, you know, was that it struck me that he was going to rob from his own inheritance. He thought his inheritance was this blacksmith shop, and he was so angered and felt so wrong for not having received that inheritance that he almost missed the opportunity of his true inheritance, which was to be restored at, back to his true purpose as a Levite in the temple and get, get to worship God 
um, intimately and be um, um, privileged to be in his presence, which was not something that everybody in that Old Testament time um, got to do. So it, may, it posed the question, though, what do you think would have happened if the uncle hadn't sold the blacksmith shop? If at 12 years old, he just continued to work there under somebody else, knowing that was his inheritance, knowing that was his identity that his dad gave him. If Ezra's caravan had come by and said, hey, why don't you leave with us now, now that you're 27 years old, he would never have left. He would never have left Babylon to go and be a true worshiper in the actual temple. You have to understand that there were generations of people in exile that could not worship God according to their faith, according to the way God had prescribed them because they were in Babylon. It was, I mean, the reading fictional books like this that make the stories personal really make it more relatable. So they were trying to hold to the tradition, hold and train their, their sons in the Torah to be true sons of Abraham, but they're in Babylon, where they're surrounded by Babylonian culture, Babylonian temples, and there is no temple. The, like, the only word of God was how to worship in the temple then, you know? Then there was no temple. So, like, these, their sons were right, you know, asking, like, why is it even so important to learn all this stuff? We can never do it. We can't ever sacrifice an animal. We can't ever follow God's instructions. There's no temple. So why does it matter? So if he had stayed there and inherited his blacksmith shop, he would never have left Babylon and his family line would never have been restored back to those. He never would have tapped into those ancient wells of his purpose and identity. He never would have known it. And that is where I find that we live. A lot of us are living as Babylonians with an established business, an established way of life, established, you know, way of providing for our families and functioning in this culture. And our worship is part-time, part-time maybe on Sundays and Wednesdays, right? For a few hours here or there. And that is really a big picture, a true picture of what's going on in the world right now. And God is toppling the Babylonian culture in our world, in our country, and around the world, it's happening right now. But this is a true, this is a very relatable thing to me because one of the things that as um, a Christian, you know, before I came to One Life and before I really got set on the path for my purpose, I found it extremely hard as much as I loved God, as much as I wanted to raise my son to know God, my whole family and my life to be about God. I didn't know how to balance the two, um, the, the responsibilities that I only knew how to meet through what I'm going to call this Babylonian culture. I only knew how to, to, you know, to satisfy my responsibilities through the training of the world. I didn't know how to go to work and worship God in my work. I didn't know how to go and worship Jesus while working on a computer or working in pharmaceutical research. You know, I didn't know how to do both of those. And so I had real responsibilities and I'd been trained in the world's ways for how to do those things and to live life well be a responsible, you know, woman and a responsible mom and all of that, but just a good citizen. And I wanted to say that, propose that that is the likeness to the blacksmith shop in that story. I had to be willing to let go of what I knew from the systems of man in order to learn how to do those things the way God prescribed. Just like he had to go back to the original temple, he had to be trained in the ways of a Levite because he'd rejected the culture. Ever since he was 12, he'd rejected that culture. And so that is the challenge before us. And it's it's something, a process that I'm still in myself. And, and I find, you know, I probably will be till the day I die of just continuing to a layer after layer after layer of learning how to stay in sync with him, stay in the awareness of what the Holy Spirit is doing while doing life. Because God didn't say, you know, don't take care of your children. He didn't say don't earn a living. He didn't say don't do that, but he, he prescribed a way to do it. And that's our heart attitude because it's our heart attitude when we go into those things that essentially shut us off from being aware and tenderhearted towards his presence. It's a real struggle that we're all, that we're all in. And um, I wrote something the other day that I, I thought I would read. I was really, really hesitant to read it because normally when I write like this, 
the Holy Spirit gives me a response afterwards, and I share that response with you. But I didn't get a response. And so I feel like this is a, um, a moment I want, I hope that this, what I've written, you can relate to along with the story, and to think about it on your day-to-day walk with Him, and then pose the same question for yourself at the end, okay? So I wrote, I wonder how many garden moments await me only for me to walk past the gate. I wonder how many times in a single day your majesty has prepared a place for me, a picnic with a majestic scenery where clouds move just to show me a new expression of your divinity, a blanket of soft grass laid just for me, to feel your softness beneath my feet, to experience what a grace walk is truly meant to be. I wonder how many times I've chosen the rocky path instead, how many times I've chosen to look down instead of up, satisfied with only a glance of what your sky had to say. I wonder how many colors were spun and woven into the moment or winds whipped up just to engage and embrace me, I wonder how often I'm held captive instead by the black and white, and I'm driven inside to make my own movement. Oh, majestic one, the one I truly love, whose fervent love is always reaching, destined to seek and find me. How foolish I've been holding so tightly to the systems of man. How foolish to seek shelter in concrete gardens when you've provided the lush greenery of majestic scenery overflowing with fruitful nourishment that I truly need. Oh, Papa, teach me. Holy Spirit, lead me. Jesus, show me how to be free from the hold these lower things have on me. I've tasted enough freedom to know that they hold nothing for me, yet they ensnare me just the same. They call my name, roping me into the systems of man. But you've called me for more than this. You have called me for more than this. You've invited me to entertain angels with you. You've invited me to move mountains with you. You've called me, wooed me, summoned me to a kingly court, a throne room where you've shown me a seat of my own. How do I rise to the occasion? How do I fall in line with your heavenly army? How does the body, soul, and spirit find its way to the fullness of your invitation. So Holy Spirit, Jesus, Papa, our warrior team, the one who's gone ahead of us and prepared a true inheritance that's already a treasure that's laid up before us. It's already in a caravan that's in motion in our present day and time, that it's moving. It's moving our culture, our world, our country, our society, our home, our churches, our children, our our schools, all of it. It's moving towards restored true worship. And you have set up a treasure for us in that caravan. You have set up an inheritance for us, provision where every need we have will be truly met. So we ask you tonight, Holy Spirit, to teach us, lead us, prompt us, make our awareness of you even greater to how we can move just subtly in the moment to turn aside to see how to do a simple thing, but with greater awareness with you. A simple responsibility, but to do it with as a worship, an act of worship, an act of intimacy with you. Show us how to change our ways, Holy Spirit. We are desperate for you. Our heart is longing for you. It's longing to know you in this way. It's longing to know you in intimacy 24-7. You've told us prior to this day that the access to the throne room comes through the act through the garden that you're growing in our own hearts the access to to the throne room to sit with you, to lead with you, to be in positions of authority with you in this world and our time is gained through the access of the garden that you're growing in our own heart. So come into those moments while we're sleeping. Come into those moments while we're just dreaming, while we're, while we're thinking of you, and restore intimacy in those places. Bring us into greater intimacy with you. Create in us a hunger that is undeniable, that goes beyond the dreams, 
beyond the, the worship set, beyond the intimate moment, maybe that's in a car ride on our way to work. Just create a hunger that goes beyond those moments when we have to switch off the music, we have to switch off the sermon, a hunger that goes beyond that, that is just driving and calling us to listen for your still small voice in every moment. So Holy Spirit, I thank you that you've invited us to ask this question in our day tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. In these next moments, in fact, as we just leave and wrap up the service tonight, thank you for inviting us to search for you in a brand new way. We love your questions. We love your invitations. We love your promptings. And we say we believe you. We believe what you've already provided for. Help us to see it. Open our eyes to see it. Make our peripheral vision even greater than our, our direct line of sight. We're tired of seeing with the eyes of this world. We're tired of seeing with the eyes of this culture. We want to see what you are saying, see what you are seeing, and seeing where you are calling us to take our next steps. So we thank you, Papa. We thank you that this is a fun life and that your joy over us is so enormous that our joy as we partner with you just increases tenfold in every moment that we step closer to you. So we thank you. We love you. I just bless this word tonight. I bless every heart in the room. I say this word will resound and resonate within you in all the days to come. We love you. We love you. We love you, Papa. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life Okay. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. Okay